Well, hello, and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. You know, I, I actually was doing announcements on Sunday the other day, and I almost said that. Uh, but this time, it really is Rhythms of Grace. <laughs> it must be like the way that you say hello. If you if you say it, yeah. it's like it becomes like a Automatic. Pavlovian, yeah. Pavlovian yeah. response. In fact, there was a time, because every time I get off the phone with my wife, I always say, love you. Yeah. And uh, I see that so often. There have been times when I'll be talking to some... Uh, some guy, like just some random person, right? And my instinct is wanting to say, yeah. love you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah. So uh, it's a totally unrelated story to our topic for today. But related to that, when my oldest son was really little, like just like four or five or something like that, he, um, and I worked a lot of hours, he called our home phone, like from a cell phone and pretended to be my boss. Oh my and he was like a little kid. So he was like, uh, hello, Nate. Uh, this is your boss, Mr. Tim. Uh, I, I just want you to know you don't need to come into work today. You can just uh, stay home and hang out with your family. Love you. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish it's like the one, one voicemail that I wish I had figured out a way to save. You know, I just thought it was like funny at the time, and then life moved on. But now that I think back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would listen to that every day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh boy. All right. So, what are we talking about today? Well, we we've we've been all over the place. We've talked about like defining technology as more than just what we often think of. It's it can be everything from a blacksmith tools to Mm -hmm. automobiles to our phones and then we've just kind of meandered you know not all not all who wander are lost and we we've just meandered through different topics and uh, everything from the gamification of life to all sorts of things I, I think the last few episodes in the season what we want to focus on is what we originally think of when we think of technology, which is digital technology, Mm -hmm. specifically our phones, our apps, social media. And we're going to talk a little bit about like, how do we, how how do we approach um, just this onslaught? And just really, I mean, basically everyone I know has a smartphone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like you could run away from it at the same time. Uh, you, you can't just uncritically embrace every aspect of it as well too. So from a faith perspective, but also from a wisdom perspective, uh, conceptually, how do we want to, uh, how do we want to approach this or consider? And, and then maybe the, we'll end this season with kind of like, what are some maybe practices for us to consider? Mm-hmm. So maybe today it's just kind of more the conceptual thoughts of digital media yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Now, I, I you, when before we started recording, you were telling me a story about Steve Jobs that was yeah, well, the, and the iPhone, right? Yeah, the thing that was really interesting is when when the iPhone came out, which was two thousand seven. Mm. Um, the were you born yet, Christine? Barely. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and his famous speech and all that, and the iPhone was a huge revolution, revolutionary moment. But um, for Steve, the original purpose of the iPhone was not what it currently is now. Mm-hmm. It, it was cur- it was supposed to be an iPad where you could listen to, uh, or an iPod, oh, like right. where you could listen to your music yep. and make phone calls. Mm-hmm. So instead of having two devices, it just combined two devices into one. Okay. And then uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but some other executive kind of suggested to Steve that it could be like a whole platform. Mm -hmm. And this is what's amazing because Jobs is 
known as this innovator, creative. He dismissed the whole idea. Mm-hmm. Like that that is so stupid. If we if we had other apps on this phone, like it would just crash the system and he dismissed the whole idea that it would the iPhone would go beyond just an iPod where you can make calls. I mean, I do know that one of his key like design philosophies was simplicity. Yeah. Like initially, like when he was creating the iPod, he wanted it to like only have like one button that did mm. everything, you know, yeah. very, very, very minimalistic. So it would make sense to me that he would sort of see what the, uh, what the smartphone has become as like way too cluttered and not nearly as like useful or streamlined as his sort of design philosophy dictated. Right, right. And I do, I mean, I will say like I, my phone, it has probably if I put all my apps on one screen, it'd be like a screen full of apps. But I certainly know people that have like apps like where you have to like go through screens multiple screens. Folders. That's just full like, yeah. and just like pages and pages and pages. And I'm like, how do you even keep track of what all of that stuff is at this point? Yeah. Right. Like, how do you remember what apps you have mm-hmm. and don't? Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, if you watch his famous speech from 2007, he actually says, um, this is the best iPod we've ever made. Ah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Which is really, yeah. yeah. Like that's where his brain was. Yeah. So it, it was simplifying yeah. uh, two very valuable in his mind's tools yeah. mm-hmm. for people to use. So how did we get from like that <laughs> to like what we have now? Yeah. Like you know? utter simplicity to yeah. yeah, total clutter. Well, and, and that's also true of Facebook when you think of clutter as well too. What, mm. what It came out in 2004, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2004. I don't, I don't so right before uh, uh, iPod, uh, iPhone came out, um, What's, what's his name? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Created, created, it was called The Facebook. Mm. <laughs> and it was for college students. To, it, it was supposed to be like a digital version <clears throat> of their yearbook. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and initially, nobody thought they would spend significant time on thefacebook.com. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> right. And, and then it's kind of blown up beyond uh, its original purpose. Yeah. I mean, even the name change to meta sort of represents his, mm. his current idea, which is like, this is like at a level above right. everything, everything else. else. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it is the meta narrative of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> which, wow. Yeah. So, so it, it is interesting where technology uh, even the most creative innovators of our time and inventors, uh, there are unintended consequences from the evolution or uh, de-evolution uh, of technology. Yeah, yeah, And somebody used the word, uh, I think it was Christine, the clutter mm-hmm. that it creates, whether it's apps or just like think of the clutter of Facebook. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is... Um, uh, initially, like, and people who are very utilitarian about technology would say, oh yeah, the benefits of it, yeah, I, I get the downsides, but the benefit is I could see pictures of my grandkids and this, mm-hmm. and, and that's totally great. But the, the, but the, it also clutters your uh, phone, your mind, mm-hmm. your heart, yeah. because you're, it's not just your grandkids. Yeah. yeah. I know we're talking about specifically digital, digital technology, but I, I'm reminded of a Wendell Berry story um, about when he was young and the first time that he actually worked the land with a tractor. He mm-hmm. actually grew up, Wendell Berry is a sort of a 
theologian, philosopher, writer, specifically around nature and, and the agricultural community, et cetera. And he's a novelist, all sorts of stuff. But he tells a story about, he remembers the first time that he was on a tractor and how um, he realized sort of in hindsight that it removed him from the soil, mm-hmm. that he was like actually stuck behind like his uncle or somebody that was ahead of him with a team of horses and feeling so frustrated because he was like, I can go faster. (laughs) I can get more Mm -hmm. done. But he realized that he was working sort of over the land, not in the land anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens as technology sort of advances. It's true that there are things that it can do, but there are these things that are lost that, um, Maybe you don't realize until you, you know you're looking back, or mm-hmm. maybe they are actually the things that are more valuable, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's replaced with convenience or, like you said, speed or right. diversion or clutter. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, one cultural commentator. His name's Andrew Sullivan. He wrote uh, a, a piece a while ago, and the title of the the article was called "I Used to Be a Human Being," mm-hmm. and it was really talking about digital technology and the effects it's had. And he was so tired and exhausted from all the swirling uh, clutter yeah. of digital technology that, and he said it, it, it broke him. Mm. And, mm. and the point of his article was, well, it might break you too. Mm. Well, I, I don't think we could deny in 2023, it's broken people a lot broken. of people, yeah. right? Yeah. Mental health, yeah. Uh, exhaustion, the kind of hustle culture, uh, all, it's in all sorts of ways, it's, it's kind of, broken yeah. mm-hmm. humanity. Well, and, and I think, and I think we've touched on this in, in previous episodes, but like the, the goal of technology becomes to keep people engaged mm-hmm. for as long as possible, right. you know? And so basically like we find that the, the goal of Facebook now is for people to be on Facebook as much as possible. Right. Always mm-hmm. like your notification. I mean, every app and website now asks like, hey, can I push notifications mm-hmm. to you? Right. You know, like sort of saying, do I have permission to just... To bother you yes. day and night. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and the uh, other thing that, oh, that reminded me, another thing that was interesting, uh, another uh, narrative I heard about Facebook is the person who was who led the team that created the like button. Mm. Uh, initially, I think they, they, uh, they made it a certain color. Hmm. Um, and it, uh, or it was just the, the blue thumbs up mm, or something mm-hmm, yeah. and it didn't create a lot of, it, it was kind of, it was a failed experiment. Okay. And then they introduced the red heart hmm. and because it was red, mm-hmm. uh, like it skyrocketed and Facebook will, will, would say, uh, if, if you read about the person who led the team, there was no functional purpose of creating the like button hmm. other than, uh, the, the, the dopamine hit yeah. of social approval yeah. mm-hmm. and, and that's where ads and revenue came in and, and the whole idea of keeping people on Facebook as long as possible. It, and it's driven by both social approval and, uh, just that hit of dopamine mm-hmm. and it's curated by billions of dollars of marketing mm-hmm. that people don't, people just think, Oh yeah. I mean, the, 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 you might get like benefits from it, but at the same time, uh, it, it's a, it, it's a machine that's just mm-hmm. yeah. kind of eating your soul alive. Yeah. Did you have something you were going to say? Christine? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, on this topic. Yeah. I think it's interesting how also like the like button, uh, versus, 
actually comment. Like if the like button didn't exist, uh, if you cared about something, you would actually have to respond to it with words. Mm -hmm. Whereas it just, it strikes me that like just being able to like or heart, it's almost like a, like a more of, uh, there's low cost to entry, but it's yeah. also almost voyeuristic, right? It's like, mm. oh, I've seen this, but yeah. I'm not engaging. I'm yeah. like looking from the outside, which I think uh, is it's a little bit isolating for us, right? Because it's like, oh, I've seen all of these things, but I'm not part of it. Um, and it takes work to be part of it. So yeah. I'm going to stay on the outside. Like it just mm -hmm. gives you kind of a way of staying distant. Yeah. I had a, I had a interaction with a, a friend of mine who, um, I hadn't seen in, in a long time and something very, very significant had happened in her life that I was completely unaware of because mm -hmm. I don't really, I use Facebook for Facebook marketplace primarily, mm -hmm. which is another thing I'd like to talk about <laughs> uh, as it comes to digital technology. Um, but because she had posted like everything on Facebook, I could tell she was surprised and perhaps even mm. slightly offended that I was not aware right. of what had happened. Um, and this is not a, a criticism of her in any way, but just understanding that we sort of imagine, well, since we're putting it out on this platform, mm -hmm. right. the, the need for actual face-to-face -face interaction or actually like purposefully proactively letting specific people know what's going yeah. on is sort of removed from us mm -hmm. and we can be like you were saying christine sort of observers um and that's like good enough that the app or the platform does it for us yeah the number of stories uh like the number of conversations in my life just because of you know, I don't know my, uh, that like the culture of my generation that start with, did you see my Instagram story? <laughs> like, cause the, the expectation is you have, right. And if you haven't, I will pull it up and show it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, not like really? I'm going to tell like, you this story. <laughs> so I'm just going to have you watch no, it. No, legitimately. Like, I already like put in the work. Like, I, it's now it's your turn. Yeah, I've never, like, questioned that <laughs> that way of life. But huh. it's so, like, like literally daily. Oh, did you see my Instagram story? Here, watch this. This is what I did yesterday. <laughs> that is so fascinating. It is, like like you were saying, some sort of like a removal uh, yeah. uh, sort of like an uh, even our interactions are sort of isolated. In fact, my kids love uh, Marco Polo. Mm, oh yeah, mm -hmm. and I a lot of people do, and I get yeah. it. But what I can't get over is that it's a series of one sided conversations. It's right. like a series of monologues, and so they're sort of like interacting, but primarily, you sort of it's a one way communication, mm. and that feels so different from even like a text exchange. Mm that I can't, I can't get into it. Mm -hmm. I, I like, I feel like if I did, I would get, because my wife is on it. And so the kids are interacting with her quite a bit, but I just <laughs> can't get past that. I don't want a monologue like that. And then I don't want to hear their monologue. Yeah. Like so it's just a weird, the way that, that the technology platform itself is creating or in reinforcing that idea that mm -hmm. we're sort of isolated. And it's like mm -hmm. one directional, one directional, one directional, one directional, yeah. one directional, one directional. Well, and I think it's kind of funny because on Marco Polo, for instance, I do this with all things, but I will like, and even with texting, I will respond in real time, like aloud. I'll mm. be watching a Marco Polo, be like, oh my goodness, wow, that's so funny. But when I respond, like I've uh, already reacted. Yeah. And so it, I don't know, it does, it like, uh, or sometimes with texts, I'll like respond aloud and then forget to text back because like my, <laughs> like my, my brain hasn't been trained by technology yeah. as well as it should have been. 
Um, or as well as they want or as, it to, yeah. to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and the other thought that, you know, you were saying, Christine, about how you could just like something and not really be involved, mm-hmm. but see it like almost voyeuristically. The other thing that I, I think that creates this tendency of um, all I, the, the cost of entry or engagement is so low. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. one press of yeah. a button. Yeah. And, and then the recipient gets such a high uh, that it creates this illusion that mm. in real relationships, the cost of engagement is just one mm. button. Yeah. And for the recipient, recipient like this, this kind of day to day face to face engagement should bring that kind of dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think it just short, uh, short circuits kind of like how real relationships actually work. I mean, absolutely. I've had conversations with my kids where, when, where as they're entering like a serious conversation or feel like, Oh, I need to talk to this person about this. I, and part of it is their age, which, you know, I appreciate, but I think it's reinforced by technology. I have to say like, you have to remember where the other person is coming Mm. from and, and what they're going to hear and and how they might respond. Like that is a critical part of anything that you need to say. And technology teaches us that, that that's not true. It's sort of like, well, because not only is there like the benefit of the dopamine hit, but a critic in online criticism, it's sort of like, ah, they're not real people. Like you can Mm -hmm. sort of just dismiss it. Whereas with a real relationship, you have to consider how can I say this in a way that the other person will hear my heart? Mm -hmm. How can I take into account sort of everything that they're bringing to the table? How can I make sure that we end up on the same side of this and, and technology, especially um, sort of the one directional communication that it reinforces doesn't require Mm -hmm. any of that. In fact, it, in some ways I think it actively discourages it. Yeah. I feel like as you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, there are people who I'm friends with with in real life where if we were just Facebook friends, we would be at each other's throats all the time, (laughs) you know, because those like surface level, uh, like differences are, uh, are all we really see on Facebook. Um, and the reason we're friends is because of what goes deeper because of the, the reasons Mm -hmm. and the, um, sense of humor and all of those things. Yeah. I, I totally feel that way. I mean, in our early days, uh, when I was uh, planting a church in Detroit, you know, we were fit, we were a group of very, very, very different people, but we always reminded ourselves, like we love each other more than we drive each other crazy. Like yeah. that's legitimately w- how this community is going to grow. And, mm-hmm. and uh, again, digital technology doesn't require that at all. In fact, I mean, now that we're, now that we're going for it, I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) I I think in some ways, like our obsession with affinity Mm. is also supported, encouraged, maybe even driven by Mm -hmm. technology because you get so used to saying, well, there's, there's people that believe the same things I do. There's people that think the same way I do that have the same interests. I'm just going to hang out with them. That's that's way easier, (laughs) you know? Uh, and technology sort of like makes that audience available to you or that group of people available to you. And so not only do we choose it digitally, but I think it, it, makes us it creates a habit where we also yeah. are looking for that um you, you know in real relationships and song i remember a sermon you preached where you said look if there isn't someone in your you know small group that drives you crazy mm-hmm. you probably don't have a diverse enough group mm-hmm. of people in your life mm-hmm. you know and um and i i try to remember that i try to i try to <clears throat> uh not dismiss someone just because they drive me a little crazy yeah 
And I think that creates a certain subculture within a lot of churches too, where it's conformity, homogeneity yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of beliefs mm-hmm. and values. Yeah. And so then if you're, if you find a church that uh, doesn't line up with everything you believe, well then it's, it's not the right church. Yeah, it's time to find mm-hmm. some. I, I mean, I used to tell that to people that were coming to grace for the first time when I was on staff all the time, I would say, if you're looking, if you need to be standing next to someone in the seats that agrees with you on everything, this <laughs> is not going to be the church for you. That's mm-hmm. just not something that we're trying. In fact, we're actively discouraging yeah. that type of homogeneity in the way that we operate as mm-hmm. people of faith. Yeah, and I think so all of this, uh, when I think of the clutter and the noise of social media and, and digital technology, it creates uh, an addiction. And I know for some of us, that word addiction just sounds pretty severe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm not addicted. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, of course, you know, like like you think of alcohol or drug addiction, you know, people who would steal money from their mom to, you know, yeah. get their next hit yeah. or whatever. But it may not be a chemical, uh, I mean, well, it, it is, but mm-hmm. but it's a behavioral addiction sure. where it, it, it's, it's a cycle of patterns of behavior that will, uh, that, that don't, Get, uh, 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 promote like flourishing of life, mm-hmm. internal, external, uh, including relationships, community, purpose, you, you know. Um, and, and so I think we could say uh, most of us are addicted behaviorally to digital technology. <laughs> like, l- let me ask, like here for our listeners, simple question. How many times have you picked up your phone meaning to do one thing mm. and you sort of mindlessly click yeah. on your mm-hmm. Instagram app or your YouTube app or fate or something like that. And then suddenly you're like, Oh no, wait, I actually need to like make a phone call or, mm-hmm. or I need to check my bank balance. You know, how many, right. how many of us have done that? Yeah. That's a yeah. great sign that there's sort of like this habitual pattern or even addiction yeah. Yeah. that it's just the pathways of our brains. Mm-hmm. Just, we're just running on that pathway. Yeah. And I think another one is like, I mean, so as we are recording, I have my phone on the table. Mm. I shouldn't be on my phone during a podcast recording. That's There's true. no reason I need to have it this <laughs> near me. But I think another question is like, how easy is it for you to put your phone in a different room mm. when you're doing something that does not yeah. require your phone? Yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's one of the measures I use is like, can I charge my phone in my bedroom mm. while I'm cooking dinner or do mm. I need to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just those different, um, yeah. and, and here's the thing, because like, again, I'm, I know I have a lot of stories about this, but this literally <laughs> just happened last night was someone was on the farm and was leaving to go back to their home, which was like two hours away. And she had lost her phone. And so there's this reality of her. Mm. She was sitting at our table sort of saying like, oh my gosh, like I need to set this up for my daughter's school and I need a map to get to to this place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these real reasons that she did need her phone. So that exists. But then also the cost was like, she said, I just, I feel like naked without my phone. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's like this both and where there really are real things that, that the availability of the, of a smartphone affords us, mm-hmm. but then there's this whole other side of it yeah. that is emotional and habitual and addictive. And man, I feel like it's, it, it can be really hard to separate out like what is what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we've like talked through like kind of the dehumanization of th- that technology brings, but then also like, yeah, this takes us back to just the clutter mm, yeah. that mm-hmm. comes with the utility that it, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, just like there's just so much to, to be. Like I'm yeah. thinking about my, my Instagram account. I have carefully curated, I only follow like 
maybe 50 people like on, on Facebook, it's like everyone, I just want to see what everyone, <laughs> you know, if I go on Facebook, I know it's a wormhole, but Instagram, like I, I like almost exclusively follow like family, mm. uh, grace, you know, pastors, you know, it's like whatever, like trying to like, it's either work or else it's, it's family. Yeah. Um, and so I go on Instagram thinking, I'm just going to catch up with the people who matter to me most. Um, but Instagram doesn't let you do that. There are so many videos that they'll just like populate your Mm. Instagram was like, you might be interested in this because usually (laughs) because I'm, it's so curated, I'll only see like three posts a day from people that I care about. And then the rest are ads or suggested Mm. videos or reels. And it's like, oh, there's a real utility there, but uh, it doesn't let me use it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is exactly what I was going to say about Facebook marketplace, mm-hmm. which is that, so, um, I Facebook marketplace, tons of people sell stuff on there. So it's a really great place to look. But my, my experience of Facebook marketplace is that if you try to do a specific search, it will not show you hardly anything. Mm. If you sort of open yourself to the mm. algorithm, like it it will start to show you lots of things, including the things that you probably want to see. And that's really different than mm. like Craigslist where you can, Craigslist right. is bare bones, has a super u- useful search function where you can get really, really specific and find exactly what you're mm-hmm. looking for. Facebook, even, even in marketplace, I get the feeling like they're just trying to keep me scrolling through all yeah. of these ads really like, yeah. like down these rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. And so I can be looking for something, but like, it's bizarre that the more specific you get suddenly, and I've done this because I'm a bit of a nerd about this, but there'll be a post that I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. So what if I put like something like this specifically in the search and suddenly that thing that I wanted mm. and saw no exists, it disappears. Mm. It feels like Facebook is sort of saying like, the harder you try, <laughs> the, the less we're going to show you, Yeah, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel that same way. Like in it, like we are mm. subject to what the platforms want us to mm-hmm. see. Yeah, which is again their main reason of of existence. Yeah. And we just think, oh, they're gifting us with this app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When really it's designed for uh their own purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so uh, that that uh, uh speaking of clutter and, and the the big uh social media uh organizations, I think um what was it going to say? Oh, the uh uh, there, there's, I think, a couple approaches when it comes to technology, and I've certainly been on both ends. One is to, like, I'm going to maximize, like, every single mm. app hmm. or every single part of technology. And then the other part is, like, you know what? Um, uh, unless there's a very specific, per- like, more of a minimalist approach. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think... Um, uh, and. and Maybe we'll go down that rabbit hole maybe next episode, but I, I think the uh, maximizing apps, while it may seem like, because it's like, oh, you know, I've, uh, I, I'm going to, uh, I can't think of specific examples, but I have app A and app B actually kind of intersects with app A, but also adds these provided, uh, these added benefits. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to uh, download app B. Mm-hmm. Oh, now a- app C comes along and, and g- provides an, a whole new other aspect, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're still kind of the same kind of realm of things. Yep. And so the, the maximizer will say, Oh, I'm going to have all three mm-hmm. yeah. versus 
like what is it this app is actually what value is what what value do i hold and what do i want out of uh certain apps in my life yeah uh, so it's very consumeristic versus kind of an intentional uh, uh approach and i i think part of maybe part of intersecting this with faith is i think we have to be uh critical of or have a critical eye towards uh like the the maximizing behavior mm-hmm. because more is not more mm-hmm. yeah um and that kind of clutter is true whether whether it's di- digital technology or or mm-hmm. physical possessions yeah. yeah but perhaps our thinking needs to shift in terms of uh it, it's it's not so much what utility these apps bring because the other down, the other side is uh the more you download those apps and you know it may increase utility it does decrease something else in your life yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife has an interesting uh, frame. So she's a professional photographer and she has an interesting um, framework around uh, her equipment, Hmm. which is that she, she uses it, uses it, uses it until she feels like the equipment is limiting sort of what she wants to be able to accomplish Hmm. skill wise. And so that means that her equipment is usually several iterations behind what another like professional photographer she's might have available Mm. to them, but in exchange, she develops skills that I think far Mm. surpass what a lot of other photographers have because she literally like keeps like improving, 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 improving until literally she's like, I cannot get any better with this piece of equipment. Mm. And then she moves on. And so I think there's a, a, a similar perspective we can have around like what we, how we're engaging with stuff digitally, which is like, I'm going to do as much as I can with as little as I have. And only when suddenly what I really want to accomplish is hampered, do I sort of like take the next step Mm -hmm. in, for example. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I I can, I I have to chew on some examples, but, um, Mm. I do, I have noticed her do that and it has made her a far, far better artist and Mm -hmm. photographer. Yeah, speaking of that, I could think, of, well, I can think of an example where uh, I've not taken a minimalist approach uh, on two of my apps on my phone. Okay. I use Google Maps. Which, I love Google Maps. Yeah, no, it, it's a basic, I mean, Google Maps is great for directions and all that. I also use Waze, mm. which is basically the same mm-hmm. thing. Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. I think it actually sources its info <laughs> from Google Maps. It does. Okay. But the, the thing that Waze gives me that Google Maps doesn't. Police scanners. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Christine it te- called it. <laughs> it, ta- it tells you where the cops are. Okay. And, and I'm like, I hate that I, ha- I have to use both of these apps. So I use Google, Google Maps most of the time. When I have to travel on highways, like longer than like out of town. Or if you're like running late and you know you're going to be pushing <laughs> no, the speed no. limit. It's usually if, if I, hit the, if I hit, hit the interstate, I use Waze. Hmm. Because of just that one single feature that that it has, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy yeah. that I have both those apps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually did the same thing. Oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. With the Menards app. <laughs> this is not 
Yeah. Here's the single feature that the Menards app has uh, that their mobile website does not. Mm-hmm. If you look at an item, their app will tell you where to find it in the store. Mm. Oh. Which, you know, literally it's like aisle whatever, yeah. you know, bay whatever. And that was the one thing that made me decide to get that app versus just using their mobile mm-hmm. site. And I hate it. I But because yeah. in every other way, it's exactly the same experience except for that one thing. Yeah. So they got me. What what's interesting is I think sometimes recently I went through uh, the kind of decision making process of my phone because I I was like, I don't need the three terabyte phone or whatever. Like I'll get the the lower uh, storage one. But I had started like downloading a bunch of cluttery apps that Mm. I don't use. And it got to the point where I was like, do I need to get a new phone with more storage? Mm. Right. And I started looking at the apps on my phone and realizing like there were so many single feature apps that I had or apps that, like you said, like I, I have three of these. Do I need all three? Do like, I use any of like them? Like what would be one of those? Uh, so, so ones that I, that I actually ended up removing is I had, um, like four devotional apps on okay. my phone. I had like Lectio 365. I had Soul Space. That's, I had on, that's like on brand for you, Christine. All of these. And <laughs> I'm not saying that because, so here's the thing about it though. Here's the thing. Well, you have like five journals, right? Yeah, like, you do. Yeah, yeah. You, what? you do? Yeah. Each well, one is for something different. Yeah, some. each one is for something different. Well, okay, a little yes, digression here. T- t- say more. Five different journals. Well, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have like, one journal that I that I have for like important events, like for instance, I go to a conference, I go on a mission trip. Like this okay. is like, so the, it's like notes. It's and like uh, it's not notes. Oh, it's okay. like um, these are going to be mountaintop experiences okay, in it. which I want to like be able to reference because mm. I might make big decisions and those like I want to be able to reference that. Specific, so that's one. Um, I have two active just like prayer journals mm-hmm. that are going on. I have like a premarital journal where I'm journaling through the, the engagement process. Um, and then I have like a notes journal, right? For like what's like, you know, I'm okay. in a meeting, got to take notes. So makes sense. Wow. So it's literally like the analog version of a cluttered <laughs> desktop. It is. It's a literally cluttered <laughs> desktop. Oh my gosh. No, I, well, but here, but here's the thing. I think like that requires a ton of um, yeah. like upkeep and, mm-hmm. and, it's interesting that again, a, cl- a cluttered app sort of environment allows us to sort of feel like we're doing that without as again, it feels like low cost of entry, mm. right. right? Like, Oh, I got all this stuff. If I need to do this, it's right here. If I need to do this, it's right here. Yeah. But, uh, in reality to actually do that as a discipline requires a tremendous amount of discipline. And mm-hmm. most of us don't, mm-hmm. we yeah. just feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, that was where I was at with having all these these like devotional apps, right? Is I was like, oh, I have all of these at my fingertips. I could use any one of them. Um, but it actually takes me to another point uh, for the more is more lie, which is like analysis paralysis, right? Is uh, in theory, it was like, oh, if I'm feeling this sort of reflective, I'll use soul space. If I'm feeling a little bit more, oh. like, then I can use this other. But instead it was like, how am I feeling? Uh, I don't know which one I want to use, so I'm just not going to spend time with God right. today, right? Like, n- n- yeah, that's kind of like the extreme example, but right. um, the analysis paralysis is real, I think. It's like the beauty of shopping at Aldi. I don't know if, uh, if oh, either yeah. of you have shopped yeah. at Aldi, where it's like, hey, if you want like chocolate chips, there is one kind of chocolate <laughs> yeah. chips, and that's right. what you're going to buy, right. you know, yeah. versus literally, I mean, the the dozens of, of options right. at Meyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about that because I, I ran into her at Trader Joe's this weekend. 
And she said, oh, yeah, I've just been shopping at Trader Joe's for like the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And we're both like, oh, it's such an awesome place. And she's like, yeah, I thought it was like this expensive, bougie kind of place. I'm like, actually, yeah, it's a, the inexpensive, bougie kind yeah. of place. Yeah. And she's like, she was just saying how much she hated Meyer. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, like the stores are so large. Yeah. The parking lot, you got to walk like a mile just to get to the store. And then they have like 500 brands of cereal, right? I went into a Walmart for the first time. I don't think I've ever been in a Walmart, but I I went on a, into a Walmart and it's like even bigger than Meyer. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was possible. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think it was possible that I was like, I can barely see the other side of the store. Yeah. And I think if, if you're like a decisive, so I, I tend to be very decisive. I like walk up to a shelf. I'm like, I guess I'm getting checks today because I don't want to look at all the options, mm. which is so I could do Meyer. But I do think uh, I love also I love Trader Joe's for that reason. Um, and I, I feel like people don't realize how freeing it is to yeah. have fewer options, yep. not to have no options because yeah, right. like I have all the dietary restrictions under the sun. I need options, but at Trader Joe's, it's like, do you want this gluten-free cereal or this gluten-free cereal? Right. Isn't Trader Joe's and Aldi owned by the same company? Uh, they used to be, I believe mm. that the brothers split. Oh, mm. whoops a daisy. Uh, but I think their but, operating yeah. philosophy is similar, yeah, which think, is actually yeah. like a reduction yeah. of, and, and I think they're European, aren't they? Yeah. Which again is really different <laughs> than the American mindset yeah. of like more is more. Right. They're sort of like, no, nah, like we don't need to give people all these options. Yeah. It was interesting. Uh, speaking of, of that, uh, I was just reminded of going through a bunch of boutiques uh, recently with my siblings who, who used to live in Europe. And um, as we were like window shopping these beautiful boutiques, you could tell which ones were for the wealthy and which ones were for middle class uh, America by how minimal it was. Mm. How many options did they have? Because the, the stores where we could afford to buy things, there were a thousand things. And the stores oh. for the wealthy were sparse. They Because minimalism, uh, like that kind of like freedom that comes with minimalism is, uh, yeah, I guess like a sign of wealth uh, in, in I, where were we, like Boca Raton or wherever we were. But crazy. it was it, just really interesting. Crazy. It's like, can you afford to live an uncluttered life? Yes, yeah. exactly. Huh. Which is, yeah, the opposite of what it was 100 years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I would say then minimalists, when it comes to digital technology, they, they don't m- mind uh, missing out on the clutter of options and which for them is a small thing Mm -hmm. because what they gain is the larger part of the good life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel, I mean, I, 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 I'm a bit of a technological minimalist. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I have very few things on my phone and I use it primarily either for research or entertainment, Mm -hmm. but I don't really communicate with very many people digitally at all. Yeah. I, it's sort yeah. of like if it's in person, great. If not, you're dead to me. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And, and I think that's the fear of most people when it comes to the social media presence. It's almost like the lie that if I'm not present on social media, that then I don't exist. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I've gone through different seasons of, uh, um, I, I, yeah, Facebook, it's like a love-hate relationship where um, more and more I just like less and less. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't look at it very often at all. Uh, 
Um, so I'm not your minimalist cause I, I, I don't, you know, uh, but I am probably compared to most people compared to most pastors. I'm like hardly on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, I don't care about posting. I don't care about, you know, well, you know, Hey, dopamine, I don't care about likes, but I, you know, dopamine, it feels good too. It sure does. Uh, but, mm-hmm. um, what's my point in this? Um, yeah, I, I mean, there, there, there is a, fr- like, um, cause before it used to be like, Oh, I got to like, especially if I know them or they're part of the church, I, I want to like it because, uh, you know, then, then it's, it's a signal of like, Hey, I see you. Yeah. But, and then it got to a point where it's just like, Oh my goodness, there's just so many freaking people. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like 2,500 yeah. friends or something. Like, many you have, like, I was, was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. And, ask. And, and it got so unsustainable that I was just like, I don't care. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I and then, um, it got to a point where it's just like, you know, I can only selectively like what they put out because I haven't seen your nine other posts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, I don't even freaking care about mm-hmm. whether, you know, I still do every once in a while, but it, it, it is just this, this rat race yeah. of just trying to keep up in, in a social sense. And, and for me, it, it is largely professional, mm-hmm. almost, I would say almost mm-hmm. exclusively professional, yeah. uh, to which at this point too, I, I just feel like I care even less. Not that I don't care about the people, but I think there's just a different kind of, uh, value exchange. Like when I see them on a weekend and interact with them versus, yeah. um, I think the other thing, so we've talked about sort of like the isolation, we've talked about clutter. I think the other thing that digital technology um, does, and, and this is something we have touched on in previous episodes in different ways, but to, to put it under this umbrella, is that digital technology, I think, tells us that we're way more important than we are. I mean, uh, the, yeah. the yeah. likes and things like that, they're telling us that our ideas or our experiences or our adventures or our opinions are way more important mm-hmm. than they actually are. And I... I I think that's a really, uh, I think that's a troubling trend mm-hmm. because the, it's, it's, I don't, a, a ton of self-important people is not good for the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the, the need to feel self-important, right. I think actually drives a ton of anxiety and depression mm-hmm. where you're suddenly sort of basing your worth on whether or not other people find you interesting or funny or entertaining mm-hmm. or compelling. And that is just, that's so destructive. Yes. Yeah, I think it's it, there's like two sides, right? It, it tells us that we're more important than we are, or it tells us that we should be more important yeah. than we are, yes. right? Those are like the two sides of the same coin of like, yeah, either uh, my bunnies have a TikTok, you know? And so it's like either, uh, you know, like, oh, wow, a thousand people think that my bunnies are so cute. Like, wow, these are the best bunnies in the world. <laughs> or else, yeah, like I pivot and I'm like, oh, no one liked this video. I need to be more. You stupid bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you do more tricks? <laughs> yeah. But it, it's like legitimately they do four tricks. And I remember this was like maybe during COVID, like 2020, 2021. I remember being like, should I be teaching Goldberry more and better tricks? Because mm. like the tricks she does are not impressive enough, mm-hmm. you know? And like, it's like so ridiculous, but that's how it feels yeah. uh, when you're yeah placing your worth in what people yeah. think of you on the internet. I, I feel so. There's a like I said, I use uh, I use YouTube for a lot of um, like information and entertainment, but uh, there are so so many creators on YouTube who I start really mm-hmm. enjoying their channel, and you can see them slowly over the course of time begin to play to the algorithm to try to mm-hmm. get more subscribers and more likes, and it 
drastically changes the quality of their content yeah. because what people are willing to sort of like gut level like mm -hmm. um, as sort of like that instant push the, the like button is really different than what is helpful information. I mean, yeah. helpful information takes a long time. Somebody needs to like, you have to sit there and actually sort of take it in and process it mm -hmm. and learn versus if somebody's like, my tractor rolled over. Yeah. It's like, that's the sort of thing that people like respond to instantly. And yeah. the algorithm likes that better. Yeah. One of my favorite TikTokers, um, I'm like outing myself as someone who's on TikTok right now. Uh, <laughs> There's but, no judgment here. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but one of my favorite TikTokers, I recently went back like two years and looked at, I was like, I wonder how he got started. Like, how did he start making these videos? Because he makes basically the same video every day, but in different ways. He's, a, yeah. Um, and I looked back and like before he just like hit that kind of famous stride um, before he had this blue check mark, he would post a different type of video every day. Hmm. And they were so much more engaging to me. Mm. I was like, oh wow, he actually has more to his life than this one joke that he makes every single video. Uh. Um, but that one joke made him famous. And so like, I can't fault him for not, you know, bringing these other parts of what he does to his TikTok channel. Yeah, anymore. yeah. So. Again, I, I think it's um, it's helpful. I mean, on one hand, like I find it annoying as I see people mm -hmm. make that transition. But I also think it's helpful to remember that technology is moving us, all of us, sort of in that direction as well. Like the, like the desire to be seen, uh, I think, has a tendency to make us sort of two-dimensional yeah you know like sort of like well what what do people respond to mm -hmm. i'm going to do more of that right. mm -hmm. versus sort of saying like how do i develop into a healthy well-rounded like spiritually minded generous person yeah. that is not that's not a straight path right you know and a lot of that work is never going to be seen or or sort of um, we're not going to get any pats on the back for yeah. that deep sort of internal work and so i i it's 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 worrying to me, especially mm -hmm. being a dad with teenage kids. It's mm -hmm. worrying to me to realize, and I'm sure that every like generation was like, oh, the radio's going to be the death <laughs> of, you know, the telegraph, the telegraph, what is the devil in the wires? Uh, but I do really feel that way, right. you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I mean, Amy and I have been having that conversation a lot, especially with, uh, you know, especially with our son, who's still in high school, and uh, just... Um, I, I think our daughter just, uh, I don't know if this is fact or fiction, but, you know, I keep saying to my my wife, she, I'm like, you know, girls mature quicker than, than mm -hmm. you know, guys. Mm -hmm. um, and she's, she's been able to handle both uh, dig, dig, uh, digital media and technology and, and all sorts of things uh, pretty well, even now, even in college. Um, you know, and, and I think... Um, I mean, I mean, uh, even bringing this up too, like uh, especially in a digital age, especially as a parent too, um, and not that this doesn't apply to to women, but especially to men, it's like the easy access of uh, pornography, hate, mm -hmm. violence, mm -hmm. all sorts of things, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a whole nother episode, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not, but just like <laughs> what kind of parental controls, or mm -hmm. even like even how do you parent? Um, like, cause we're like, well, at some point, you know, the, the 
kids are going to go off and yeah. they have free will mm-hmm. and yep. human choice. How do you, how do you build their character mm-hmm. and their priorities and their values more so, so that they become what you're talking about, Nate, mm-hmm. versus just falling victim to kind of the consumeristic mm-hmm. uh, voyeurism that yeah. happens. And, and we talk about the kinds of people that social media and digital technology creates. And it's no wonder our culture is the way it is today. So. Yeah. And what I'm thinking about, and maybe we'll talk about this next episode is also, I feel like a lot of times parents uh, know what kind of parental controls they should or could put in place for their kids. But what has been more helpful for me as an adult, or like even just talking to other uh, young adults, it's like, oh yeah, we have to now discover what parental controls we need to set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, like apps that block pornography or like finding, you know, the minimalist phone app that like keeps you from downloading all these different things or, you know, timers. And it's like, yeah, I wonder if there's a way to, to teach the next generation before they have to figure out for themselves, like here, here are ways that you can guard your own heart yeah. and mind. But uh, we've probably been talking for almost an hour, we so uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll catch you next time for more rhythms of grace. Thank you.